Hello, podcast listeners. You're listening to another episode of The Long Journey Home. I am your host, Corbin Johnson, and this is our second news program for December 31st, 2012, 2013, almost 2014. And we'll start you off with some news and rumors. <clears throat> uh, players are eager to know when and if there will be a G series of promos and an XI series of foils for the tournament program. Since all cards are planned to be printable sometime next year, sometime, as we're told, early next year, it's unknown what will happen of the VP program. So, um, hints have been given, uh, but no, no particular uh, confirmation of what exactly is going to be given out as a VP promo. Now, on the same note, we are still wondering what will what of this 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 all cards printable program has very little details given out about it other than it's going to happen. So we are also eagerly awaiting details of that. Also in the news and rumors, we are uh, wondering if anything's going to come of the commandeering issues that we're seeing in block and I guess just block for emissary block. In particular, we're unsure if, because there are free play engines tied up in having possession of a Nor, if anything's going to be done to make it harder to make a Nor com- commandeered, or to commandeer a Nor. So for now, we just don't know, and we're going to have to wait and find out to see if the committee wants to do anything about this issue. So, just to be aware of what's going on, now let's move on to our top five. For the next few weeks, we'll be doing top five cards of every one e-set, starting with Premiere and moving our way into the future. The first set we'll start with, obviously, is Premiere. So let's, uh, let's do a little top five list here of the top five cards in Premiere, starting with number five, The Devil. The Devil is a very controversial card, obviously, because it can nerf a treaty, and it is one of the only ways to do that, other than Quinn and... I guess you could mercy kill your own treaty if you really want. So, given that uh, controversy around it, and that it can also nullify Horgahan and Wind Dancer, although that's not as exciting in this day and age, this definitely deserves a spot in the top five at number five. Number four is Kevin Uxbridge. Uh, that's for obvious reasons. And this was a very powerful card in the original game when people started to become somewhat competitive they would make decks full of Kevin Uxbridge's to nullify all the weirdness people were doing like Red Alert and Kivas Fajo Collector and that way uh, you also gain a bit of a card advantage they had to spend their card play on playing an event where you only had to interrupt with the Kevin Uxbridge so it was a popular counter back in the day and it still has it's not seen as much these days you just see Quinn more but it's still a very potent card Number three, Cubes Fajo Collector, speaking of which, just a easy card draw mechanic. Spend your card play to get three card draws, and that still remains the gold standard of what you should be paying for card draws in 1E. So this is, uh, although it can be mirror imaged, and that's uh, something you have to keep in mind if you can't come up with a better way to draw cards in your deck, you can always fall back on the reliable Kivas Fajo Collector. Number two is Red Alert. Of course Red Alert. Red Alert was 
probably uh, why many people actually played Star Trek for a while because it felt like a way to get around the rules. You get to play a bunch of cards for you know the cost of one card play. So this was great, and this card was very powerful, and there's a lot of there's a ton of counters for it now. So you know there's even some controversy, some thought of well, why don't we just unban it because there's already lots of things that can get around it, and most players are probably reluctant to play with it given all the referee out there, but well, that's not exactly what OTF's going for now, is it? And the number one card in Premiere, obviously, Horgahan. Now there's a very powerful artifact that we, uh, it is on the ban list because it gives you a double turn. Um, now, I wonder if, what might happen if the Horgahan was limited to once per game giving you an extra turn. I think that'd still be quite powerful. The only way right now, I believe, to get double turns in the game is to pull off Collect Metaphasic Particles. You get one of those. Um, and that card has proven to be very popular for players um, after the Sona Observatory was created. So it'll be interesting to see... Uh, whoa. Nice job. Sorry, someone's being a kind of a dick to me behind me. Good job. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so... Horgahan is a is a very versatile card, and it has, it helped win I'm sure at least one world championship, if not more multiples. So you know, given its controversy and powerfulness, it deserves the number one spot on that card list. All right, so that is the top five for today. Next up, we'll talk about forum matters. This is interesting. This is the top five one e cards created by the continuing committee in 2013, and this was posted by Sean Shank. Sean Shank writes that the number five card for him was Q's Tent Civil War. And uh, definitely this card is huge. And it, it he said, uh, Sean said that it kills the revised format once and for all. Now I have to disagree with that because revised, the main reason I like to play revised is that there are no banned cards in it. You do get the referee pile, which is nice, but not necessary. Um, anymore, and that's you know less necessary. So yeah, it's it's a nice little bonus that you get for playing in revised. But anyway, uh, I continue to play revised, obviously, for the getting to play with any card, even though you're only limited to four of that card. Number four on his list is the Celestial Temple. That's a beautiful card. Um, I'd love to see an AI of it at some point, but for now, it's just. Um, a great draw engine, and your opponent can definitely nerf the draws if they want to, so kudos to that. Number three was Klingon Restaurant. I expect more cooks in the future, Sean Shank writes. That's funny. So, yeah, maybe more cooks, right? It's a cool card, and the implications of it um, I think are yet to be seen, and I think a cook deck is definitely going to be seen at a cool tournament in the future. Spaceborne Entity Sean Shank writes, if played right, you can stop your opponent from playing cards for free more than once. I suppose that is the case. So, yeah, uh, any cards that stop free plays are definitely interesting and worth attention. And number one on the list is Follower of the One. Followers of the One. Sean Shank writes, my favorite TNG engine of all TNG block. I think that pretty much sums up Sean Shank's forum post. So... Yeah, Happy New Year from, uh, well, from me to everyone. Then Sean Shank had definitely written some interesting things. 
All right, let's wrap up here um, with the fun part of the show, the philosophy of Trek segment, a tribute to Mark Rosewater's Drive to Work podcast, where he discussed in his creativity podcast a one way to continue to be creative is to look at two different things that have nearly nothing in common and try to find similarities between the two. So, in regards to this, let's look at comparing the final two expansions of first edition to the demise of the Enterprise TV series. So, now these are not two disparate things. They are Trek-related, and that's fine. But it is interesting to consider that the last two sets of first edition, I guess in this case, the motion pictures and all good things, or we could even go back all the way to Holodeck Adventures, and then looking at what happened in, uh, in Enterprise, uh, where we had, uh, we had, uh, you know, the first season was, uh, the first few episodes were rated well among the ratings, uh, the second and third seasons, and even the fourth season, the ratings pretty much just declined straight down from top to bottom and just continued to get worse. There were a couple spikes here and there. But at the end of the series, um, people say that the fourth season of Enterprise was amazing and was underrated and is definitely some of the best Trek that had been seen since TNG or Deep Space Nine. So, <clears throat> when you look at the last few sets of first edition, like Holodeck Adventures, the first thing that comes to mind, for me, at least, is Escalation. So many cards in there were broken right out of the bat. And I think Decipher did this as a way to incentivize new players to come in and say, oh, don't worry about collecting all that old stuff that's harder to get now. Just start playing here, and we're going to hopefully put you on even keel, especially with the Delta Quadrant and whatnot. So... If you had bought just Holodeck Adventures and uh, some of the newer stuff, you'd be competitive in Delta Quadrant play for sure. So as uh, time went on with the motion pictures, motion pictures dialed it back. It wasn't as broken, but there was another Hexany card in there with Smooth as an Android's bottom, and Hexany was, was king of the day. And we consider looking at just all of the, the brokenness that was coming out in the last few sets and wonder if what what was Decipher thinking? Was it uh, should we go back to our roots and bring this game back to where it was, or do we continue to escalate it and make it perhaps more appealing and more interesting for our players, um, but at the cost of potentially making an unfair game for some players, uh, especially players who can't afford the newer cards. Um, First edition is unique, and so is second edition in, in the fact that all cards, you can play with cards from any set in normal tournaments, unlike Magic, where typically, and someone's going to say, no, that's not true, but typically players are encouraged to play with the newer cards, and you collect the newer cards and play with those more often than you would with older sets. So, what happened? So... And then All Good Things was just kind of a boutique, and I don't think many broken cards, if any, came out in there. Just interesting cards that kind of tried to fix some of the brokenness, but maybe didn't do a great job of it. 
like Stratagema, Shapeshift Inhibitor. Shapeshift Inhibitor is a great card, and I'm <laughs> I'm sad to see it banned, but or errated in the way it was, or was it errated yet? I'm not sure. Anyway, so what's the similarities here? Well, both series did very bold. Both both products did bold moves when um, I, I assume sales were getting lower for Trek and the complexity was getting too high for the for the card game. Whereas for Trek, the enter, for Enterprise, the series was demising in terms of ratings and no one was getting anywhere. So, um, what what was done? Well, for for the card game, we got second edition. They said, we're going to scrap this and start a whole new ball of wax here. And then Enterprise, they ended it with with what was seen as one of the most controversial Star Trek episodes of all time with um, with These Are the Voyages. And uh, fans were not very receptive to that episode. Uh, I can tell you the only reason I tuned into it was because it was a TNG episode. Uh <laughs> But, uh, you know, I wasn't watching Enterprise then, and now I kind of regret not being on the Enterprise train. But I feel they also... Enterprise was not being marketed well to Star Trek fans at the time. They were really trying to appeal to a mass, a larger mass market by hypersexualizing the show and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it was the only Trek available, and they really, really messed up, and that's kind of what happened. And with the card game... I think maybe mass appeal was what they were trying to do. And definitely that's what ended up happening. They went to a second edition to try to rein in old players as well as new players. And eventually it worked. And then, you know, if we take this to the next level, Enterprise eventually gave way to the J.J. Abrams Star Trek film. Not necessarily are the two combined in any way. It's just simply what came after it. And... Uh, obviously, the 2009 movie has tremendous market appeal. My, it's my girlfriend's favorite Star Trek movie uh, because it's a movie and not a Star Trek movie. <laughs> so uh, that's what works. And um, Decipher, I think, did a better job. They retained many elements of the first game while making a balanced and easily approachable uh, game that is arguably as fun as first edition with obviously less uh, complexity which is also the appeal of the first edition so I think I've explained how the two are very much similar and I think uh, hopefully people will find that interesting so this is an open podcast by the way and that means that you can con- you can contribute to it uh, with whatever you want to talk about poems or articles, reviews, new cards, uh, dream cards, uh, observations, top five lists, your favorite set, your least favorite sets, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, You can send me um, a a sound file from two to five minutes uh, to CorbinJohnson at me.com, me.com, or call 267-CALL-CPJ and just tell me your thing on the phone over on onto my voicemail and and I will include it in a future episode or will choose to if I decide it's worthwhile <laughs> anyway so this is an open podcast and be on the lookout to hear from more guest reviewers in the future and I am 
enjoying the show. I hope you are. Feel free to send questions, comments, or concerns to 267-CALL-CPJ or PM me at CorbinQ27 on the message boards. Until next time, which will be Friday, January 3rd, this is Corbin Johnson saying so long and thanks for all the trek.